I'm Kevin Blevins, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Siemens Startup Podcast Series, previously hosted by Paul Musto, where we speak with entrepreneurs to gain insight on how they turn their innovative dreams into successful companies. Today, I'm speaking with Terry Carr and Brandon Smith, co-founders of Village, a U.S.-based startup company in Scotts Valley, California. This is a little different from many of the companies that we've spoke with in the past, and frankly, I'm, I'm excited about it especially because one of their main goals for their company is to make healthy food accessible to all. Hello, Terry and Brandon. Wonderful to speak with you. And I would very much appreciate you taking the time to be here. Before we start, can you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your backgrounds as well as your roles in the company? So let's start with Terry. Hi, Kevin. Thank you for having us here today. We're excited. My role is the designer. Brandon is the engineer. I've been designing since I can remember looking at things like cars and shoes and changing up the lines on them because I felt that that's how they should look. I didn't formally find the career of design until I was a freshman in college on an engineering track. I learned that I could not only make these things work, I could design how they look. So from there, I went to design school, car design school in uh, Detroit, CCS, and found this whole world of product design, you know, that not just cars, but anything that I see can basically be designed and manipulated and maneuvered. And I don't know, just bringing creativity to things that we don't normally think about during our day just really excited me. So went to Art Center from there where they have a rigorous car design and product design track and just opened my my world. And here we are now designing things that help people grow food. So, you know, I know we'll get into that later, but that's sort of a very short, quick version of my career path. That's awesome. Thank you. And a, and a shout out to the to Detroit. And CCS. I'm from Detroit as well, originally. Oh, yeah? So, yeah, I am indeed. Brandon, how about yourself? Kind of similar to uh, Terry. Yeah, it, my, my passion really showed up when, when I was young, always working with my hands, taking things apart, putting them back together. Kind of, you know, noticed early on, just priding myself on, oh, wow, you know, I, I was able to get that back together and, and it works. And I have no, no extra screws going in, into our garage and just pulling wood out and building different things. So, it really was amazing for me to realize, wow, you, you can turn this into a, a career. So that that kind of took me down the path of, of mechanical engineering. So as Terry mentioned, within the company, I'm, I'm kind of taking the, the focus of, of the engineering aspects. The time that I spent at, at Apple, I think, gave me a, a eye for engineering and design that, that meshes very well with Terry. Well, I, I can relate to both of your stories because I, I'm a mechanical engineer by trade. So I do understand that and I do get it. And I read a little bit about your credentials, which, by the way, are very impressive. But one of the things I read was you have uh, 26 issued patents between the two of you. Am I correct there? Lisa and, and counting. Correct. Yes. 26 is impressive, <laughs> to say the least. Can you share what any of those patents are, are for? Or is that something secretive? <laughs> <laughs> you could tell us, but you'd have to shoot yeah. us, right? <laughs> yeah, we have some in the works, but some we could share. For me, I mean, I spent a little under 10 years at, at Apple, so the vast majority of them are many different incarnations of, of 
novel ways to pull things off inside of very thin laptops. <laughs> so if you think of all of the <laughs> MacBook Pros and, and MacBooks over the years, anything from the shielding behind the keyboard to you know ways of getting a microphone up very close to the, the perforation where the speaker is, lots of different needs that, that arose that got to put your thinking caps on. One of mine is for an adjustable clamp force and an active headset, you know, meaning a sports headset, but that can also be worn just, you know, casually throughout your day. So there are different clamp forces that you would need for just casual listening. And then when you're working out doing burpees and stuff, you want it to be a bit tighter on your head. So we came up with this adjustable little, you know, pulley that you can pull and tighten it down and it gives you two uh, extra newtons when you're working out. So it's a huge impact and a very small little change in force. Just the fact that you said burpees is making me tired. (laughs) (laughs) Having done many of those in my day. As as a matter of fact, within the last couple of weeks, as a matter of fact, I'll just add that. I gave a basic introduction of the company, but can you tell us more about Village? Village is community for us. One thing we we realize in our personal lives, but but also you know in in our past now as adults and, and creators, is that you you can't do it alone. Uh, no matter what it is that, that you're seeking to do, and so having a connected community that, that that you're in it together is 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 essential. And so that's what we're really trying to cultivate with Village is a community that's supporting you to live your best healthy life. That's awesome. And the way village is spelled, can you share how you got to that? <laughs> it's, by the way, for those, those who are listening, it's spelled V-I-L-I-J. Of course, you know, all of the domains and names are already taken. So you have to be creative. If you don't make up a word, it's kind of like you had to modify an existing word. And that's the route that we went. We Love this idea of a village of people who come together and take care of each other and the community. So we wanted to use village. We really knew that. We looked all over the map for a different spelling of it. We even looked towards, you know, Swahili. Different languages and things. (laughs) Yeah, different languages, everything. But we ended up using the uh, phonetic way of the actual village, you know, just the way of saying it. And most people get it, you know, they see it and it just clicks. They're like, village, get it, love it. I will say there are some that look at it and say VLJ. So (laughs) for anyone that might see it that way, just keep going with the J, village. (laughs) That's funny. I'm going to admit that I struggled with it a little bit at first because I because I, I did a search on Village Life and found a publication related to communities in California. And I said, that just can't be right. That just cannot be right. <laughs> and so anyways, you, you thanks for that clarification and thanks for that help. Can one of you share a little bit more about the product that you're developing? Our first product is called Mana, and it's a aeroponic system to allow you to grow food in your home. And so a lot of people might not be familiar with hydroponics, aeroponics, what, what all that means. It's something that, that's really taking off now to allow you to grow food much more efficiently than it typically has been grown, I would say, conventionally outdoors. You can grow food with about 90% less water. And depending upon the configuration of the system, probably 80 to 90% less area required as well. 
and you can take food that typically when planted, you know, in, in soil might take three, four months to mature. You can get it down to 30 days of maturity uh, to where you can get your first harvest in, in 30 days. And then a unique aspect to, you know, this type of growing is you can harvest it, meaning you can cut all of the mature leaves that are off. And if you leave the kind of baby leaves, if, if you want to call them that, the plant will continue growing. And so in this system, give it another 10 days or so, and you now have mature leaves again that you can reharvest. So where you will cut a plant once that's in, grown in soil and you're only able to consume it that one time, uh, you can probably get three to four harvests out of a, a plant in when it's grown in, in, in this method. But beyond kind of the functional aspect, we wanted to really make a product that was beautiful, that was just aesthetically pleasing, that, that was a, a showpiece uh, or, or, or even a work of art. So we wanted to combine that functional aspect of, of everything I just, um, you know, discussed with something that was, was beautiful. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, it has to live in your home. So we wanted it to feel almost like a piece of furniture that, you know, grows food that has function. And we've seen, you know, others out there on the market and it's pretty utilitarian. So we really wanted to lean on our backgrounds and kind of where we come from in terms of designing beautiful things to make this beautifully, you know, functional piece that grows abundantly. I think I saw from from your website that it it not only sets on the floor, but also has the ability to hang on the wall. Is that correct? Exactly. You can mount it on the wall. You can, you know, just lean it against the wall if you don't want to put it on the easel. And we also have two different easel types. We have a shorter one and a taller one. So yeah, we, we offered a lot of flexibility in this product as well. That's awesome. I grew up in a farming community in, in Michigan. I mentioned that. And my parents had a garden that was as big as the lot that my house is on today, which is pretty significant for a family garden, right? But so where did the idea for the product and company come from? I realize that you've created the village, but I mean, at some point you stopped and said, oh, let's create, the, let's create this company and this product. <laughs> where did that come from? It's really interesting that you mentioned that you grew up in this farming community because that was sort of what we drew from, you know, me growing up in Mississippi and everyone having, you know, basically a yard. It wasn't, you know, a, a big yard, but just enough to grow their own veggies in. And it's still abundance of them that you can't really eat all of them. So you share them like neighbors, everyone just they share with each other. And when you cook the meal, you invited people over, you know, especially the people who, you know, shared the food to share in the meal. And that was just a very powerful memory for me. And we drew on that for mana, especially and village in general. We like to say grow and share. That's sort of our mission to get everyone growing and sharing their food. And I remember my parents cooking and picking stuff from the garden and bringing it up and then cooking. And, and the pride that they, they took to say that we grew this and now we're cooking it and sharing it with you. I think that's part of what you're, you're suggesting there. That's really lost on us today. We no longer have that connection to our food. And in most instances aren't even aware where our food comes from, the journey that it takes and, and the different processing steps that it goes through. So 
by growing your food in your home or and, and being able to share it with people creates that that connection that that doesn't exist today. It's an amazing thing. And you mentioned the the name mono. Where does the name of for the product come from? Yeah, that's an interesting one as well. We we actually had another name that we really loved, but I was I was meditating one day. This name mana, it it just came to me like during this meditation. We already had a name that we were going with and everything, and I told Brandon about it. And we were like, you know, that's pretty cool, but let's put it in our back pocket just in case we want to use it later. And we came to find out that the other name that we were going with was already taken. So we were like, okay, mana it is. Came across so many cultures that that use this, you know, like the Polynesian culture, where, you know, it has this meaning of spiritual life force or healing power. In the Bible, it has meanings as well, like this miraculous food that is abundant in nature. So we were like, okay, man, that that's the name. And I think to date, I don't think we've come across any language or culture where mana doesn't have some positive connotation. <laughs> it resonates yeah. everywhere, right? <laughs> there you go. I thought it was amazing because I'd heard the word mana numerous times, and but I wasn't exactly sure what the definition was. So when I looked it up and saw what I found was the spiritual life force, as you mentioned, right? For me, I thought it was just amazing after looking at the product. And then I think it's a fabulous name. I truly, truly think it's a great name. It fits the product well. You know, another thing stood out when I reviewed your website, by the way, again, if I haven't mentioned it, I think it's a great website. But one of the things that intrigued me was the the number of options that are available in an early stage rollout product. Because typically when a company rolls out a product, they have one or two versions, but you have you have the product, but there's a number of different options that someone can get. So is the idea of customization and personalization a part of the longer term strategy for the company? I would say so, yes, because as we mentioned, it's, it's a part of your home and people have lots of different decor and even they change it from time to time. So we want to be able to adjust with your environment. And also because of the, the process that we're using, we're using a submit and a, a recycled glass mixture. It's very easy to change colors for us. Also the materials, the fabric that is on the back, that's a very simple process. And if we can offer those options and still have it affordable for people, then we definitely want to do that. And looking at your product and having a mechanical design background, it's obviously aesthetically and purposefully designed. But I read that there's a bit of technology inside and outside. Can you elaborate on this technology or, or as, as you called it on your website, the tech? <laughs> that, that's one of the, I would say, common misconceptions we, we've gotten from people that aren't familiar with the space is they believe it's just a pretty looking planter. What's so special about it? It's, it's a planter. Not realizing that, no, it, it's a self-contained system that will monitor the growth. Uh, it, it will report to you the progress. Uh, one of the most amazing aspects is, is a time-lapse camera. And that's something that in the grows that, that we've done in our prototypes is capturing the growth because it's it's such accelerated growth using the, the aeroponic process. And we actually didn't touch on that. And in, in, in aeroponics, most people aren't, aren't too familiar with 
hydroponics, but I would say aeroponics is an even more specialized subset of that. So you have hydroponics where you're not using soil and you're usually either immersing the plant and the roots in a nutrient-rich bath of, of, of water, or you're flowing that nutrient-rich bath of water through the roots. It's directly getting to the roots. That's that's different from when you grow in the soil where, you know, the roots are there, they're mainly in contact with all the soil, and they're, you know, absorbing a small percentage of, of nutrients through the soil and the water that, you know, percolates down through, through the soil. So with hydroponics and aeroponics, you're directly providing the roots everything they need and you're also providing abundant light so the plant plants can just thrive and and they they as a result grow grow faster aeroponics is, is a little unique in that the roots are dangling in air you're not constantly immersing them in water or, or bathing them that results in a healthier root but also you know helps you achieve peak efficiency for for the growth so our system employs aeroponics which is misting the nutrient rich you know, water mixture directly onto the roots. But as we completed our, our grows in 30 days, going from seedling to maturity, you can really see the plants grow. Just even with your naked eye from day to day, if you're perceptive, you can tell, wow, that, that leaf is bigger or that didn't used to be there. But when you train a camera on it and actually capture time-lapse images, it, you see that these plants are, are alive and they're moving. And, you know, when the light turns off, they, they you know, droop down a little bit. The light turns on and they wake up and, and you can see they, they literally stand up and move. So, you know, that's an amazing feature to, to really be able to share that uh, with, with your friends, family and, and others around. So that's something that, that we're really excited to, to get out there so, so people can, can experience that. But the system will be smartphone controlled. So it'll have a uh, you know, microcontroller, it'll have it, Wi-Fi antennas in it. There are sensors inside that will monitor the water level reservoir and the nutrient concentration, things like that. So the goal is to make a system that just works and is simple to use, easy to maintain, and that's been some of the challenges with with products that are in this space today. And by the way, <laughs> that fast growth beats the heck out of having to weed that garden five or six times before you can <laughs> harvest anything, right? <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, we, we want to get people growing, period. Whether it's outside, inside, ultimately, we want to create solutions that, that will empower people to grow, period. But this first product we're introducing is, is kind of focused on the indoor uh, growing space. The other thing that excited me was that you're using recycled plastics. And, and Terry also mentioned that using recycled glass. And I believe that's the front of the... The front is a... It's a concrete mixture that employs, yeah, around thir up to 30% of recycled glass. And you say concrete. So does that make it heavy? That's actually one of the benefits. So there's the sustainability aspect. Uh, so, so typical concrete, as it's curing, release, releases CO2. And as you just noted, typical concrete is also heavy. And so how can you increase the sustainability of concrete while also offsetting the fact that it's heavy? And that's where the material that we're using comes in. So the fact that it's an expanded glass means it's low density and it's actually very lightweight, but it retains a lot of its, its rigidity and, and structure. So it allows you to use that as an aggregate in the, the concrete mixture making it light, but also allowing you to offset a lot of those materials that otherwise would be virgin materials that you're consuming with recycled glass from curbside recycling. Absolutely. We can get it up to 50% lighter with expanded glass mixture. 
as with everything, it's really a, a balance. You know, there's a knob you can turn. And so, you know, you have the the weight, as Terry was mentioning, and, and getting into the quality and, and the feel of it, but also just the robustness of it as well. Did you run into any challenges as you were developing the product in the early stages of, of creating the company, both creating the company as well as the product? I would say every day is a challenge. <laughs> every day, <laughs> literally. I think one of the most obvious ones right off the bat is just going from a large company. So I spent time at Apple and, you know, Apple has, you know, probably way more than that, you know, but 130 plus thousand people globally where you have experts in every facet of everything, which is amazing. And things just happen. It's almost magical. There's a whole lot of hard work, but I mean, you have people in every facet. So going from that environment to one in which, it is you, your co-founder, and you know we must take on all all roles. Uh, that that was probably the biggest initial shock to the system, but also that you just can't even predict the challenges. You know, we think it'll be you know one thing, and it ends up being something that was totally unforeseen. So simply preparing ourselves for these things that we you know uh, don't we don't know the nature of what it's going to be, but something is going to be challenging in the future for sure. One of the things that I personally definitely did not foresee or, or, or think would be an issue, working for yourself, it's hard. <laughs> I think for me, I always thought, wow, that's the holy grail. Like waking up every morning, knowing that what you're doing is of your own volition and, and desire. But I guess the thing that I overlooked with that is having that outside forcing function that comes when you're working for another company. It requires a different set of muscles almost to maintain that motivation when it must come entirely from within. That's a muscle that needs to be exercised and and honed to get it to peak efficiency because it's very different than sitting there and having a company vision, a company mission, something from the outside that is saying you are going to go in this direction and here's why. And I think an awful lot of us went through some a lot of changes when COVID hit, right? And everybody started staying home. But I suspect that those changes that, that we went through were nothing compared to what you, you endured going off on into in creating your own company. Don't overlook the value of a good lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that in, in terms of, you know, entering into contracts and, and, and agreements, things like that. That was something that honestly, I, I felt, hey, I'm smart. I'm an engineer. I've got a couple degrees under my belt. I can do this. But I'll say there, there's a reason lawyers exist and everyone has their expertise and being able to recognize when what your expertise is and when it's time to call in uh, someone else. That, that's valuable. For me, I always say a lawyer and an accountant. <laughs> those those two are really important because <laughs> I don't do either of them well. <laughs> so how did you hear about Siemens and our particular startup program? I actually have worked with Dan Kerger in ATA Engineering for quite a few years in, in our different, different roles. Terry and I have been talking for, for many years, and I think this is the case for a lot of engineers is and designers and, and, and creatives is you could be working for a company, but you're always, as, as Terry noted earlier, you're going through the world and you're seeing things and you're saying that could be better. 
and eventually that calling, that inkling inside of you can can become strong enough to to call you to say, all right, now is the time we're we're gonna do it. And so that was bubbling up inside of Terry and I for I would say years. And so I, I had reached out to ATA Engineering many years ago uh, about getting a license for Siemens, and, and that was one one of the challenges. Uh, you go from a large company that's you know using the software that is is not cheap, <laughs> and uh, there really w- wasn't a great avenue for bridging that into that that startup environment. So once Dan told me, "Hey, that Siemens was piloting a, a startup program," I, I said, "Sign me up." And I I believe Jerry and I were were the first uh, that that you guys signed up. You definitely one of the first. We're appreciative of of you uh, you joining that effort. And how has your experience been so far using the Siemens products? Because Brandon, you had experience previously. Terry, did you have experience with the tools as well? Not at all. Brandon mostly uses the Siemens products. I would send him, you know, a design and he would be able to analyze the strength, the stresses and all that. I think he can speak best to technology behind that. Yeah, I think for, for me, it was really critical to maintain I'd say continuity with what I had built up over, I guess at that point, it had been close to 13 years of, of use with Siemens uh, products and Annex uh, in, in particular. So, you know, that was essential for us. If you're starting your own business, you need to be operating at peak efficiency. And so really having to learn a whole new tool, especially for, you know, mechanical engineer or, or someone that is going to be doing CAD is almost a non-starter. And so the ability to maintain the use of, of NX and then also add to that the ability to do FEA with, uh, with the Nashran, you know, plug in it as well, that, that was, was critical for us. That's great. So looking forward, what challenges do you anticipate uh, from a technical and business perspective, if, if any? Primary one from a technical standpoint is really just achieving the optimal balance between aesthetics and function. And I think that that's the case in, in a lot of products, especially, you know, at, at Apple, it, it was always that as well. We know what we want it to look like, but you want to be able to achieve that look without really compromising or sacrificing the the function and, and the capability uh, of it. And so, you know, that's really, as we look forward in, in the development of, of the product is maintaining that optimal balance. From a business standpoint, you know, just looking at everything that's happened in the world with supply chains and shipping, and that's really a challenge for a, a small company to say, hey, a shipping container from China used to cost two, $3,000, and now it's, you know, upwards of between twenty dollars and $30,000. And it used to take a couple of weeks, and now it's taking six plus months. So as we look forward to the future and, and really scaling this uh, and producing the product in mass, those are definitely considerations that, that we're aware of and trying to, you know, figure out what's, what's the, the best path for, for our supply chain. And then also funding. <laughs> I think that's everyone's, every startup's <laughs> challenge there. On the one hand, you have this amazing vision that you want to share with the world and, and you want to share it as soon as you can. But you also need to, you know, have money to be able to do that and, and just exploring the different avenues for that. And, and that's a balance, kind of that, that time and money balance. The more more money you have, the, the faster you could likely deploy your, your product and, and your vision. But just being honest, you know, as a startup founder, you're, you're considering equity and, and just the, the best path forward as well. So, so just striking that balance. Shifting the focus a bit, do either of you have advice or words of wisdom for starting a venture like this? 
If so, might you share that with any of the budding entrepreneurs that might be listening? I mean, you already mentioned having a, a lawyer. <laughs> Is there anything else that you might mention? <laughs> I would say, I mean, you know, I know lots of entrepreneurs. We all have these very big ideas, big goals to change the world. I think change, though, truly starts with you. So we have to embody that message that, you know, we wanting to share. We want to prioritize, you know, our own health and well-being. So we have more to share with everyone, really. And I think that working harder on ourselves than we do, you know, on our jobs will really pay dividends because we just have even more abundance to share with everyone that we come in contact with. And when those challenges do arise, we're we're better prepared to handle them, to approach them. So I prioritize that every single day, you know, in the morning. I have time for myself, have a meeting with myself that I don't break. It's challenging where I have, you know, less time on some days than others, but getting it in is is very important. You sound like you're a very spiritual person there, Terry. <laughs> I, well, I wouldn't even say that. I just, um, I guess I do gravitate towards that, but it's a challenge every single day. It's a challenge. Sometimes, you know, I have very little sleep, don't want to get up, but just making that non-negotiable really is tough, but it is worth it in the end. The thing that I would add is, you know, this path is definitely not the easy path. I would really say whatever it is that you're seeking to do, making sure that it's something you're really passionate about, because there will be those times that you're looking at this and saying, man, it would, it would be so much easier to just go work for a company. But if what you are seeking to do is more important to you, then that will help you to persevere and get to that finish line to see that goal. And, and I think Terry and I are living that now where that's, that's not an option. You know, failure in that regard is, is, is not an option for us because what we're doing, we believe in. It has affected us personally with our friends and family. And it's something that, that we know is worthwhile. I can tell you that I've worked with, with many startup companies. And, and one of the things that they all say is that if you are going to start a company like that, the passion definitely has to be there. So it's a common theme that, that I've heard over the years and it, it's resonating with me. I think we're coming near the, near the end of the hour. And I just wanted to uh, say thank you, Brandon and Terry, for uh, joining me today. But before we go, if there's any additional thoughts you would like to share with our audience, perhaps uh, something that I'd I didn't ask about that you would like our audience to know? Uh, well, first, I, I will say thank you <laughs> to, to Siemens uh, as well for the opportunity to par participate and also for the, mm -hmm. the startup program that, as I mentioned, that has been essential to us uh, in, in this transition. Oh, I would just say, I mean, to any potential entrepreneurs to just take the first step. You don't have to see, you know, the whole path or the whole staircase laid out. Just trust that you will have the resources to continue on that journey. So just take the first step. I will add to that. Even if you don't know how to do something in the moment, mm. don't give up on it. Because I think Terry and I have, have experienced that just in the last few years that we've been 
focus full time on this is, you know, we began in one state, not sure how we would pull off our entire vision, headed down one path. And then from those learnings that we gained along the way, it helped to illuminate and kind of come full circle, really, to bring <laughs> the, the, the full vision. And so, yeah, it just really built on what Terry said. Like, don't, I, I think for a lot of engineers, my, myself included, there's a risk of getting to a point where if you can't see to the finish line or you can't put all the pieces in play and, and, and you know, understand everything, that can become a barrier. And I will say, just don't let that be a barrier because, yeah, we're, we're all growing, we're learning, we're evolving as, as we go. And so what might be the state of affairs today will not be the case in a month, six months, a year, who, who knows. That's great advice. I have another question for you, and that is, are you selling your product yet? So we, we're going to be launching very soon <laughs> on Indiegogo or with, with the crowdfunding campaign. So I would just look for updates. We, you can go to our website. We have a, a mailing list you can sign up for there. And then as soon as we have that campaign going live, you would get all of that information first. And for our listeners who might want to know more about Mana, the indoor vertical farm, or more about the, your company, Village, can you give the website, please? It is village, V-I-L-I-J, dot life. So village dot life. So it has been a pleasure talking with you, gentlemen. I have great respect for both of you because you, you're using your design and engineering talents to, uh, to make the world a better place. So one, thank you for that. And then thank you for being here and, and sharing today. With that, we're going to wrap up. I also want to thank everyone for listening to today's podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with another amazing startup company and hearing about another amazing product. And as a reminder, Siemens does offer special packaging and pricing for small and medium-sized companies as well as startup companies on, in nearly all of the areas of our software portfolio. And if you'd like to know more about that, please visit the Siemens website at siemens.com forward slash software for startups, all one word, dot com. And again, thanks for listening to the Siemens Startup Podcast. Please feel free to provide comments on this episode by leaving a review on your favorite podcast site, or feel free to email me at kevin.blevins at siemens.com. This is your host, Kevin Blevins. And remember, innovation has no boundaries. <laughs> <laughs>